You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast, your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, if uh, anyone has had trouble discerning our voices, uh, the two of us together on this podcast ever, it's going to be even harder now that our dulcet tones are fighting against each other in the throes of whatever sickness you've got brewing. <laughs> Hopefully it's on the down swing. Yeah, I, I hope so. I'm keeping my distance and sticking to only my mic. <laughs> that's, that's a good call. I've had one of these mics for a really long time. And over the course of, let's say, four years or so that I've had it, I'm probably brewing some sort of beer inside of that bad boy. Some super bug of like yeasty strains. Something, something's going on. Your first homebrew is going to be brewed with brewed with yeast uh, from my from microphone. Your microphone. I think that's a that's a really great idea. Maybe we could brainstorm some some names here. You could uh, you could go talk to um, the guys at Dogfish. Yeah, yeah. Some some wild wild beers. I I just think that that's probably a bad idea. But uh, the beer that we've got today is. Most definitely not a bad idea. What do we have? Today we are going to be uh, cracking open something from 8Wired, which is a brewery out of New Zealand. Um, It's actually a collaboration with Modern Times, and it is called Halfway to Afanare. And it's a good thing we looked that up, and I can't roll my R's like the pronunciation told me to with the Ray part. Afanare. There we go. Exactly. I, I have a deep history of rolling my r's to churros oh. for uh for disneyland churros yes there uh, you go it just sounds it, it makes me sound a little ridiculous yeah. so i apologize we we are notorious for butchering um names so i had to make sure that i looked this up <laughs> if you look at it and you read it just in plain old english um the label basically says wanagari right it's W-H-A-N-G-A-R-E-I, which doesn't rhyme very well either. I'm like, no. halfway to Wanagari? What? That doesn't really work. So I had to look up the pronunciation just to be sure. And so halfway to Fanare works so much better. It's wonderful. Yes. It's good Good uh, alliteration, I guess. Well, I don't know what the actual part of speech would be for, for that, but it sounds, it is kind of alliteration, right? It, it, nice rhyming. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah. Um, this is actually a grisette. It is 5.5 ABV. Um, I've never had a grisette. So I think that's that's the big takeaway here is how how is it in your deep, deep untapped history that you've never had a grisette? Is this not a... Honestly, I've only started hearing about this style, let's say, in the last three or four months. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know it was a thing until um, I saw an article about how like gray beer this this like historically gray beer is making its comeback or something like that <laughs> yeah well and uh, is the saison like styles or saison adjacent styles something that you will typically seek out i tend to to shy away from the saison realm too funky it's it's funky it's sparkly it, hmm. over carbonation doesn't sit so well with me got it okay and it's got that very high like bubbly champagne like kind of thing yeah yeah i mean i i would say it's probably great when it is super cold um you know got that really really cold lager like brightness to it yeah but otherwise um any if you leave it out or you're just trying to sip on a bottle of a of a saison it doesn't really hold up over time so it you may have had maybe a bad experience that you didn't check into in the past or um 
you know, it, it just doesn't seem enticing, maybe based on some of the descriptions of this. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about this one in particular. Sure. What makes it different? Um, this one is actually, it, the description on Untapped uh, mentions that it's inspired by the coal miners' beer of choice in the 1800s. Um, it's fermented with our, which I'm going to guess is eight wire, mm-hmm. um, with our saison strain, followed by secondary ferma- fermentation by modern times house strain, Britannomyces. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we're using the Saison strain from 8-Wire. It's going through secondary fermentation with uh, the Brit- Britannomyces from modern times. Hmm. Okay. So that's interesting. And then New Zealand hops help elevate it um, kind of into a modern realm. Right. Yeah, and we don't get many beers out here with uh, New Zealand hops. They are typically marketed as such, you know, like, hey, it's got the... Yeah, it'll it'll call it out for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. There was a, a beer, I think, from Green Flash that had New Zealand hops only. That was really, really good. Uh, it was a triple IPA so far as I can remember. Mm. But we don't see many of them out here. So I'm really excited to try this one. Let's open it up. Let's let's get, get to tasting. Let's smell it. We'll check it out. And if you do want a little bit of backstory on Grisette, I believe we covered that in episode 21 in our... Um, beer style history yep. segment yep uh, it pours out with a lot of foam on my side it smells really good what little bit of smelling i have available right now <laughs> it's kind of got it's kind of got like a a hoppy um sort of sweet citrus lots of yeast like you know what it smells like is a lemon dessert um okay it's got kind of like like you're saying citrus um but the the cool refreshing sort of sweet lemon dessert that uh walking into a bakery can sometimes smell like this uh where they're doing just a bunch of like morning pastries and things like that muffins Uh, but it doesn't have a a deep like uh bready quality to it the the taste may may uh impart a little bit of that funkiness or or breadiness that you get sometimes from a saison but Okay, I'm liking this so far a lot more than a saison. Hmm. I think it's because the the hop character, hop yeah, the hop balance is there. But like you said, real foamy. I, I, I hope that this isn't imparted specifically by the paper cups we're using today. <laughs> but where did you get this? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I actually I picked this up this morning on my way in at um, a local verified venue to my neighborhood called hmm. Rose Market. Okay, um, they stock a pretty wide variety, mostly like American um craft but they have a handful of good um import selections stored cold i assume all all stored cold Mm -hmm. yeah what i'm wondering is like okay so this was probably imported by someone uh from new zealand yeah shelton brothers Mm -hmm. and so it had to come over on a ship yeah and it had to sit and then get distributed right and i believe i don't know how they work but i know shelton brothers i believe is based off of the east coast so Mm -hmm. Where'd it go before it came here, et cetera. <laughs> so this was actually added to Untapped um, back in June of 2016. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and it has so far just about 1,600 unique check-ins. So I don't know if it was added back when it was maybe being R&D'd or if it's been sitting around a while. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of check-ins, um, but it does have a 3.66 out of uh, 1,300 ratings. The, it doesn't have the sparkling character from a Saison that I normally don't like. It doesn't have a ton of that sort of funk going on either. Or even um, the kind of uh, overcarbonation or brightness that you were talking about that comes from uh, having a bunch of small little bubbles. It's pretty <laughs> I, I, relaxed. I don't, I don't know what the actual word would be for not having a lot of, of uh, carbonation in there. It's 
kind of smooth, uh, very light, crisp. There is something definitely coming from the New Zealand hops in there. I don't know what variety specifically of New Zealand hops or whether <laughs> New Zealand hops are their own variety, but it seems to be kind of on the mix of citrus and and pininess, um, just, a, just a tiny bit to try and keep it clean. I I really like this. It's Seems like a nice sipping beer. It's I, I'm I'm getting a, a bit of a disconnect on the shape of the bottle versus the taste of the beer, where I expect a like super super funky saison to be bottled in this 350 milliliter style bottle, or maybe some sort of sour uh, dark beer. But when it comes to a a light, um, slightly lager like uh, crispness to this, I am surprised maybe. yeah it really makes me wonder if this is what it should truly be sure um because like i said it does look like there was like a launch event in 2016 there has been recent activity on it which is interesting mm-hmm. so i don't know either way whatever's going on i definitely like what we have here yeah well okay so for for this being the first grisette that you've had is this something that would make you maybe it kind of turns the tables on on your thoughts about saisons and you know how maybe uh differentiated they can be or how uh, a grisette may kind of ah uh, this is this is something that tastes a little bit different does it do you get that that feel from it are you willing to kind of seek out more grisettes oh i would definitely um go more for the grisette side of things i feel like the collaboration with modern times and then the addition of the hops kind of doesn't let it stand in the same arena mm-hmm. as, as like a, a traditional. Yeah. So I wouldn't want this to necessarily be the judge, but whatever's going on here, I like, so I would continue to explore that for sure. Well, and I'm, I'm sort of one to talk here. It looks like I've only had one other grisette and I had this only two weeks ago. I, I'm in the same boat that you are. We're, we're sailing towards uh, New Zealand here, I guess, <laughs> trying to go pick up some more grisettes. Uh, the only one that I have had, I think I mentioned it on the grisette episode, but uh, it was, they say, a low-gravity beer with juicy watermelon aroma and flavor. Uh, this was called Summer On by Gunwale Ales. It had basil and a crackery wheat mid-palate. Um, Interesting. Lingering spicy saz hops. And basil herbal quality. Um, it was definitely packed with flavor and definitely funky, but still kind of had that refreshing taste to it, which I'm, I'm definitely getting from this as well. The summer on was brewed with 300 pounds of watermelons. Whoa. So it's still, I mean, there was a lot more fruit fruitiness. Talk to about it. the fruit of summer, right? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't red. Uh, it, it was still kind of light and golden like this one is here. Um, but this one, I do remember specifically it having absolutely no head on it when it was served to me. Mm-hmm. And that may be the system that it was uh, being poured on, but surprised to see something like this. What what ABV are we at here? 5.5? Five, five? Yes, I believe so. 5.5. Five, five. The only other one I've ever had here is at 3.8, um, which is still pretty low, but the grisette, grisette style is known for being uh, a pretty low ABV beer anyway. Again, I think I said this last time. I want this in a can. I want this like a summer beer. I want I want something to have easily drinkable. 3 or 4 of these at a barbecue. I'm kind of disappointed that it's in this beautiful looking bottle that looks like it should be shared between a couple people, but I would likely oh, have Oh, you could go through this easy. I would have one or two of those. Absolutely. 
Have any of you had this one? Let us know what you thought and if um, if your prognosis kind of stacks up with what we're, we're enjoying here. Uh, you can let us know on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by tagging us at Untapped. All right, let's take a look at some of the recent updates to the Untapped app. Recently, we released Untapped 3.3.2 on the App Store and on Google Play. And this release was focused on some minor enhancements to some new direct messaging features that we introduced last month and a ton of fixes for bugs in the app, uh, including a couple of new features that I wanted to talk about today. We added a new section called Brewed By. This is for beers that are brewed at another location or brewed by a contract brewer. And we have a new little section in the app, same place that we have the um, collaborating breweries. And this section is called Brewed By. So you'll see a card with a little title that says Brewed By. And then if there is another brewery that is brewing that beer, that will be placed there and you can tap on that brewery and see some other beers that they brew as well. We also made some changes to the default distances on our Discover screen. This is the home screen of Untapped. So if you're looking to hone in on some nearby spots or you're looking to limit the distance that is used on the home screen so that uh, you can kind of move that down to any distance that you want, you can do that now in our settings section. So by default, we'll grab the nearest locations, but search up to 75 miles to help you find a place nearby. To change this distance, you'll want to go to settings, general, and location. You also notice a new nearby local badges section on the home screen that should make finding new badges to earn nearby even faster. We also made some small enhancements to the check-in at a venue feature. Uh, we heard your requests, and now we have added a venues menu to venue that menu. New, yep, venue <laughs> menu to that new uh, check-in section. Uh, I don't know if folks actually call them uh, venues, but places seems also appropriate. I don't know. We call them venues in the app, so. That's a super handy little function there. I like it. That way, um, those places that do have a menu um, through our Untapped for Business, you can easily find what it is that they have. So if you've ever used the check-in button while looking at a nearby venue, you've noticed that we added the most recently checked-in beers there to select and search from. Now you'll see that a venue's menu, like Tim said, if they are on our Untapped for Business platform, are sorted by the most recently added beer to make checking in at that location even faster and easier. And speaking of messaging, we've added a beer, brewery, and venue feature for searching for them actually in a conversation to messages. We heard your requests and we, we definitely understand that it was kind of difficult to go to a thing, say, you know, hey, Tim, have you had this beer? Then go back out, search for the beer, and then send to a friend. So we have that whole process now inside of a conversation. If I'm having a conversation with Tim and say, hey, have you had this beer? I can hit the plus button. I can add an attachment to that conversation, search for the beer, and then hit send. And that'll put it all in, in just one conversation there. And you won't have to go outside of the conversation to, uh, to find some stuff. Keeps everything flowing um, smoothly. Yeah. We also added a whole bunch of other fixes, including a new look for the Facebook sharing buttons on the cars after a check-in. There's not that big blue the button big blue, there anyway. Big blue bar. Yep. Uh, we added uh, ratings to beers and custom lists that you've created so you can see the average ratings. 
Uh, you can copy beer descriptions to the clipboard by long pressing the text. I know this was a request for uh, if you wanted to say, hey, what, well, what does that even taste like? You could copy that text now and send that either in a text message or in untapped messaging. Uh, you can also translate those beer descriptions on the fly. So if the beer is from Germany and the beer description is not in your native language or your device's language, you can hit the translate button for that beer description. You'll also see if a beer is on your wish list or any lists when looking at a beer menu. And then a whole bunch of other graphical and icon fixes across the whole app. Uh, be sure to update to the latest version of Untapped today on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. And again, if you have any issues with the latest release of Untapped or you've got any suggestions for us, be sure to get in touch with us by visiting help.untapped.com or sending us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It's at Untapped everywhere. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code podcast at checkout to get 20% off all orders. That's store.untapped.com coupon code podcast to get 20% off. All right, let's take a look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. The first article up this week is coming to us from the GreeleyTribune.com. Inside Weldworks Brewing Company's ambitious quest to brew 100 new beers in 2018. I've seen folks uh, set these yearly goals for things like reading books, right? And you think, oh, 50, 50 books in one year, but 100 new beers in one year sounds incredibly high. Yes, it does. What I mean, what do you, they're all hazy, right? Is that the <laughs> <laughs> you would think, right? Now, it's it, it, I did not go through a list of all the new beers, but from the few that I saw, it's definitely getting mixed up. Um, so before the beginning of the new year, Weldworks Brewing Company owner and head brewer, uh, Niall Fisher gathered his team to talk about the future of the brewery. He's quoted saying, So I asked them if we were going to be a new brewery in 2018, what would we do? If we didn't have those constraints, what kind of beer would we make? pose this question to the team and basically the answer was not only innovative and creative but also ambitious they basically decided they wanted to brew 100 new beers in 2018 and at the end of july they'd actually added 76 recipes to its portfolio and is on pace to be closer to 120 by the end of the year wow so not only did they hit that goal it's likely that they'll surpass it by close to a third of more than they thought that's that's incredible. I, I just can't. It's hard for me to put that in perspective, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how many uh, a, a typical brewery goes through. I've seen Weldworks before the their cans before. I think I've seen them on Tavor maybe a few times, but um, it, very distinct. Like here comes the barrel uh, train barreling down the the front of the can. It's it's a cool look. Yeah. So if you think about it here. Um, Weldworks, they brew about 500 to 600 batches of beer annually. Mm -hmm. And the bulk of that production is really dedicated to their last two surviving flagship beers, which is their Hefeweizen and something called Juicy Bits uh, India Pale Ale. Okay. The rest of it is now being dedicated to all of these crazy one-offs they're doing. Um, their tap room has 32 um, taps, which means 30 of them are on near constant rotation since the beginning of the year, as there has been at least one new beer on tap every couple days. Now, I'm used to a can release every week, but 
something new every couple days. And I mean, granted, it's on draft, so a little bit less headway than cans, but right. I, they are canning some of these too, I believe. Yeah, it looks like uh, they've got a coffee milkshake that they're canning, uh, Itsy Bits, and TBD. All, all are cans that uh, seem to have made their way here. Uh, these, it requires design time, like we've talked about before for packaging. Um, but even, even though, you know, it, it may sound pretty easy to just brew a thing and then put it on, on tap. It's also, you know, the brewers are probably working on the recipe and making sure that it doesn't taste like absolute garbage. And they want to make sure that it, it, it is something that people want to drink and that they're exploring the style and maybe tweaking it a little bit or dry hopping it here a little bit, changing the, the recipe. There's not a lot of room for error. That's for sure. Yeah, no, uh, especially if you're trying to hit, uh, a hundred drinkable beers uh in one year yeah and having having 30 30 rotating taps in your tap room one of the big things that also requires is a very knowledgeable staff to kind of educate customers about what's going on in the tap room Mm -hmm. and what those new beers are um in addition as you would think um weldworks is distributed to more than 100 restaurants bars um, and tap rooms so it requires kind of the buy-in and like the passion of their sales and distribution teams to really continue to get these out there um you know the owners of these bars and establishments they they need to be sold on the idea that the beer will only be available then and not a week later so right if it's something that comes on and sells really well they, they're not going to get it back and you know that might not go over so well yeah it, it, this does seem like a, a dream though for the unique hunters or the um the folks who are like, man, I'm just, I feel saturated with uh, hazy IPAs right now. I, I'm looking for something different. Give me a coffee milkshake. Sounds wonderful. It's great for the untapped user, right? You're, oh, yes. You're looking for the uniqueness of the unique. Here's a question. Hmm. Who on untapped has checked in all 76 of the new beers so far this year? <laughs> anybody? This is the shout out. If anybody knows anyone that is following along with Weldworks releases, please let us know. Um, I did notice one thing that it's very difficult to fight against as a brewer mm-hmm. is when you find something and you kind of hit upon a beer uh, in as they're going, like a one-off that is really popular. How do you not just kind of like say, oh, this is really good. We're going to make this a flagship and we're going to brew this regularly because we know it's going to sell. They were mentioning in this article, they made a, um, a key lime pie. I'm uh, just I'm just looking at that right now. It is a uh, Berliner Weiss. It looks like key lime pie Berliner Weiss. And it said that it was super popular, and they had to kind of refrain from saying like we should make this all the time. Right. They said that they they have made a couple of extra batches of it over the course of um, this year, but it, you, to really meet their goal, they just have to keep going. Yeah. Try it with different fl- flavors or uh, different fruits or yeah, it's it seems it kind of seems like a, a thing of the moment too, right? So maybe maybe you introduced key lime pie Berliner Weiss on a particularly hot summer day and it sold out overnight. It did super well. You bring it back uh, <laughs> in the fall and it just tanks. It doesn't do well at all. Uh, I think there is definitely something to be said of like trying to be, we try this in, in software development all the time, trying to be agile, you know, trying to listen, <laughs> agile beer, agile beer brewing, <laughs> agile beer development sounds definitely like I, you don't want to Kanban it. You don't want to. Uh, yeah. So I, I think this is really cool to see Weldworks doing likely something like this has happened before, but you know, it just hasn't been written up. Um, it's good to have a goal and it's really good to see them surpassing it. Next article we have here comes from LATimes.com and it is how to get the most out of your next beer flight. 
One of craft beer's most exciting qualities is the variety of styles and flavors available to the adventurous uh, drinker, not to mention the array of packages and serving sizes. But alongside all those options looms the specter of indecision. How do you pick from a list of dozens of beers ranging from IPAs to esoteric experimentations? Probably something Weldworks is working on. Mm -hmm. Um, One solution is to order a taster flight. I think you and I both know this. Mm-hmm. I think the majority of people listening know this. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the greatest things about visiting a brewery. Find something that, that you like. And even if it's not a taster flight, like a, an actual flight of four-ounce pours, uh, likely if you're at a brewery, they'll let you try them. Uh, or you're at a place that that gets a lot of rotating taps. I I got to try a 10% uh, Woot Stout, the latest Woot Stout, just because I, I wanted to see if I would like it at all. And I don't really get to try the different vintages of it. And a place had it on tap. And they're like, no, you don't need to order a four-ounce pour. I'll just let you taste it real yeah, quick. Yeah, you see, you, you'll get like a, a tiny little, like a one-ounce shot. Sure. To- so if it if it is your point to say, I want to see if there is a beer that I want to try there, flights are a great way. Flights, I would also say, are a really good travel tool for being able to absorb and take in a particular location with as minimal uh liquid consumption as possible yes this is very true and i whenever i go to a brewery these days unless it's a place that i've been to and have established a particular liking to a single beer um, i will only order a flight and then kind of go from there to figure out what i may or may not want an actual full glass of what does what does the la times say about what we should do for these beer flights because maybe i'm maybe i'm doing it wrong right like i my typical fare is hey brewery i'd like one of everything i don't think you're doing it wrong honestly <laughs> i went to uh finkel and garf out in uh boulder colorado and just said yes please one of everything and if you're going with some friends too, it's a great way to like it. Yeah, you'll get mononucleosis, but also you'll get to share all of the beers. Is that the scientific name for mono? Yeah. Huh. Learn something new. <laughs> so the few things that they recommend here is uh, first up, do a study in styles. Basically line up four IPAs and find out which one you like best or, ah. you know, pick a couple of stouts and a couple of porters and try to taste the difference between them. The idea there is to kind of explore down one or two branches of styles and really hone in on one thing in that area that you particularly struggle with that one. This show particularly like is your, does your tongue feel like it's four sizes too big right now? <laughs> and I think it's the, the dryness from this grisette, mm. which I, I don't know if we mentioned before, but it definitely, as is expected, it leaves a dryness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really does. I, think this is a really good idea i think especially in the world now where you can get there are eight ipas on tap over at modern times down the street right or um there are three different stouts two porters i think this is a really great way to you don't have to have the spectrum of uh you know golden brown to dark brown on your flight you can do all of one style. And I think one of the best examples of this um, is actually on the untapped home screen or the launch screen. That is a photo of the, of society brewings bachelor series flight. So you get a single hopped version of, I believe it's one of their pale ales and you can kind of discern the differences between oh, is the it different four, four different single hops. Yes. Oh, that's cool. It's it was a it was a very very good flight. The funny part about that is I did get four of them. There are only three pictured, and that's what makes it onto the untapped splash screen. Uh, so <laughs> nice. it's 
Anyway, the back backstory. I don't think we've talked about that before. No, but, no, yeah, no. It's just yeah. a it's just a pretty picture. <laughs> yeah. That's all I know. Um, and that, the next suggestion they have here to is to explore food pairings. Um, perhaps the best way to get comfortable pairing beer with food is to try a bunch of beers with the same dish. So order some food mm. and then get a flight of things that you want to try with it. I do not do much food and beer pairing mm-hmm. um, as I should. Hmm. I I feel like that's more your realm. I and I typically don't do a flight with with my beer pairing. Uh, usually, I will likely. Well, it depends. So I would say when you go to a restaurant or you go to a place, a bar, a pub, whatever that is doing a meat and cheese board or a, a cheese board only, you're likely to get a number of different cheeses on there, and more than likely. A double IPA isn't going to go great with all of them. Sometimes the double IPA is great with the blue cheese. Sometimes the <laughs> Russian Imperial Stout is great with the blue cheese. It really depends on the cheese itself. Um, you may want to do uh, a grisette or a saison um, or an oak aged sour with the goat cheese to try and balance it. But I think if you're if you have the opportunity to try a bunch of different things. Uh, as well uh, on the food side, as well as the beer flight, that's a really fun way to do it because you can kind of take a small little bite, share a bit, and mm. then try the beer with it. Um, trying to experiment with one dish and then a whole flight of beer, you're going to end up with at least a few that do not taste great with it. And I don't know if from the food side of me, I don't think I'm going to risk that. I'm not gonna. T- I'm not gonna take that much risk. I'm gonna do a quick Google search and make sure that the stout goes well with the burger. Trust and the internet more than your own taste buds. You know, sometimes I do. Yeah. Sometimes I do. That's so sad to say out loud, <laughs> but yeah, I get the point though that they're kind of making here. As you mix it up and see what works, unless you want to just ask your phone. I'm not a super taster. Probably, I, I haven't. I haven't. You know decided what goes best with what i haven't written it down in a notebook i i've offloaded my brain to the big google in the sky and i just i I let i let it do the deciding for me the next suggestion here that they have is flying with friends um craft beer is social which we know uh, but sitting down to a taster flight with a friend is high intensity training for your taste buds um the key here is to talk about the beers as you drink them, what you like, what you don't like, what you agree about, and why your buddy is just plain wrong. And then start a podcast. Hmm. <laughs> no, you're not plain wrong, I should say. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> we've done we've done some fun pairing things before in the past where we did what what was that Cheerios goldfish uh carrots. Oh yeah, the leftover kids food. It, it, that it was, was great. That was fun, mac and cheese. But I do like to do a flight with friends. It's tough when maybe there are only six beers on tap and your friends all come back with paddle boards full of flights and you guys all kind of have the same thing. But you've got to discuss them. That's the whole point. Go head to head. You do. Compare. You do. Uh I again Definitely the unique seeker and definitely the one who will try literally every single beer on the table, regardless of whether I'm going to get your sickness or not. I <laughs> love to share flights with friends uh, or beers or whatever. I, I would say, too, from our perspective in the app, um, we've got the flight serving style now mm-hmm. available on the check-in screen. So this is a great way to kind of measure both what you think about a particular beer, whether you had it 
as a taster or in a flight or as a full pour. You can go back through your check-ins in the past and see, oh, hey, okay, last time I had this at the brewery, it was just in a flight. I seemed to rate it pretty highly, so let's go for a pint this time. You know, Let's go for the draft uh, or the nitro or whatever you, whatever you have. I also think it's a great way to see on beers in particular, if you tap the everyone indicator on ratings, you'll see per style what folks are rating it. So small amounts of beer in the industry, I think, is torn on this. Small amounts of beer are kind of difficult to rate if you only have four ounces, and especially depending on the type of beer, right? If you have four ounces of a lager, are you tasting the whole thing? You know, some some folks agree that four ounces is enough. Some folks think you have to have a pint. Like, there's no other way to taste the fullness of a beer without a full pint. So you can kind of, we break down the ratings based on tasters versus draft versus cans. So you can kind of see like, oh, hey, when someone just tasted this, it blew them away. It was, a you know, everyone really, really liked it. Um, but in a draft setting, it's kind of an okay beer. You know, most folks pretty much enjoy it overall. Um, I think our, our ratings breakdown is a really good way to kind of weigh the differences between the taster versus the pint versus the the nitro, you know, or the can even. It creates some very interesting data to look at. That's it, for it, sure. it does, for sure. Um, the last one really quick here is to build a progression, which you mentioned kind of in the beginning. Um, the idea here is to uh, think about the order in which you drink the individual beers in a flight and kind of build yourself a story in beer. Start with something light and refreshing and then kind of work your way up to something full flavored. Um, the last brewery that I went to that I got a taster of, I picked out what I wanted, mm-hmm. um, but the uh, gentleman who was pouring them, he kind of gave them to me in his recommended um, order of drinking, mm-hmm. which started light and worked up all the way to the like 12% stout, whatever. <laughs> Face melter. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, interesting. Okay. Do you tend to follow that? Uh, let, let's talk about our particular uh, eccentricities, if you would, for flights. I know I... At least early days, I liked to try the lightest one and finish the lightest one, then move to number two, especially if it was like four, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, As I did that, though, my taste buds began to dull a little bit. I, by the third one, don't really remember what the fourth (laughs) one was. And you kind of lose the magic of like being able to discern what each one was by the time you get to the fourth one. Um, I have started to do sort of the opposite where I will take two or three sips of each, try it and then go back to see which one, you know, which one do I want to actually drink a full pint of, uh, which one do I want to share, you know, et cetera, try and balance it that way that you're, that way you're kind of having all of them, at once and, yeah and maybe to a little bit of a palate cleanser in between that's a really smart way of doing it typically i will start and i will finish as i go mm-hmm. um but, but number it, one all the way down number two all the way down unless for some reason it just doesn't like off of the first couple of sips if it doesn't hold up so well and something that i would want to continue drinking then i will move on to the next right don't finish it if you if you're not enjoying exactly it. and yeah. you know maybe by the time i get all the way through i won't care and i'll go back and finish that one yeah sure um but that's i tend to i tend to want to try each one individually but i understand your point um because all those flavors compounding you're not going to really be up for the end. It really depends too, because not only like we were talking about sort of the shades of Brown, if you would, where 
even if you put the super light double IPA on the far left and you start there as number one, and and yeah, there's a maybe a, a porter or whatever. If you're not looking or you don't remember what you poured for for the patron, you may end up with a double IPA first and a black lager last, <laughs> and that's that. Nobody wants that, yeah. right? You want you want that make, double IPA is going to just ruin everything. It will completely blast your palate. Yeah, so yeah. you you want to make sure that you are finding what you like and and hopefully that leads to a much better beer you know or it leads to you trying more tasters i think tasters are how i have fun when traveling and i wouldn't trade that for anything i love tasters so much next up we have an article coming to us from the brewsite.com a 10 barrel and blockbuster team up to brew the last blockbuster hey remember blockbuster i do did what what's your last memory of blockbuster what's your let's let's sorry let me roll that back what's your first memory of blockbuster walking in and looking at all the movies and renting (laughs) one i mean i was definitely too young or dvds it was all tapes okay all right this was pre-dvds this was this was long before dvds i remember when dvds were like the hot small section that you Mm -hmm. could go to Mm -hmm. um yes pre-dvds going with the parents way before i was old enough to rent a movie myself granted um there was also a local video store that we tried to support more so, but sure. once that place went out, Blockbuster was where you had to go. Yeah, the, well, there was the Hollywood video as well. I don't know if you had one of those mm, near you. Somewhere, I think so. Yeah. I believe my my brother actually worked at Blockbuster for a little oh, while. Man. It was the blue, it was like the Best Buy look before Best Buy existed. Yep. Um, Walk, I remember renting game systems. Yes. The locked up, sort of just hanging there the, on the rack. The box, yep. yep. Yeah. I, I probably experienced the Nintendo Virtual Boy that way for the first time. Um, but my, my experience with Blockbuster was probably more video games than anything else. It mm-hmm. was always like, uh, grab the Super Nintendo game or grab the latest Nintendo 64 uh, pot racing game or whatever. Man, I, re- I remember <laughs> I remember the, the local video place I mentioned before. I remember going down there and flipping through the plastic covers because they had like a photocopy of the cartridge inside of like a very thin, like laminated thing. It wasn't, the disc wasn't actually in there. And you flip through it to find what you wanted. And these were NES, like Nintendo games, like original NES. Oh, wow. I used to check, used to go and rent original NES games. I I would say my last memory of Blockbuster was probably walking in and realizing Transformers is right next to Transmorphers. And thank goodness I didn't grab the wrong one, but the ants and the bugs life ended up next to each other this this is like the (laughs) this is the world where they were trying to uh subvert your decision on like wasn't that the name of it was it kind i don't remember let's just go get that one yeah uh or you accidentally grab the b movie versus the the actual like blockbuster movie that's kind of all i remember it being and there's only one left now that is true. Well, there's only one left in the lower 48 states. Ah. I believe there's actually one in Alaska as well. I didn't see it when I was there, but maybe I should. I, I should have looked around. I, I got to take another Got to take another trip up there and go find it. <laughs> so the article does, um, it mentions here, in the craziest beer news, uh, 
Ben's 10 Barrel Brewing um, announced that they're teaming up with Ben's Blockbuster Video Store, um, which is basically the last blockbuster in the lower 48 states up in Bend, Oregon. Um, They're going to get together and brew this collaboration called The Last Blockbuster. Um, I do like the article. It says, uh, remember how excited you would get um, when the latest blockbuster was released on DVD and you'd head to your local blockbuster hoping they'd have a copy left for you? Those days have come and gone, as you may have seen. There is only one remaining blockbuster located right in Bend. Um, and that is where you can relive your renting experience. I still have my, I think I just recently threw away my little laminated blockbuster card. <laughs> I should have held on to it. Yeah. The likelihood that this would, sorry, I didn't, that's not a Mount Hood pun. I, I apologize. Uh, the likelihood that the last blockbuster is in one of the biggest beer towns in Oregon is so surprising. This, this is incredible. To keep the experience alive, 10 Barrel teamed up with Blockbuster to create this beer. Um, it's basically, uh, it pairs perfectly with buttery theater popcorn oh. and your favorite movie-sized chocolate with a light body, smooth finish, and hints of nostalgia. Oh my gosh. The beer itself is actually a variant on 10 Barrel's um, Sinister Black Ale, brewed with a nuances of red licorice, and it's 5.7%. So I'm curious about that. A beer that's brewed with the nuances of red... I love red vines. Red oh, vines. Mm. Red vines only. If you disagree with me, you're going to get out right now. Don't don't at us, please. I, I don't think I agree, but we'll leave it at that. This is... Oh, we, we've come to a problem here. <laughs> Now we're at the the dreaded red vines versus Twizzlers. Um, is that the the what we're at here? I see. I'm so not discerning about my red licorice that my favorite kind is the like five pound plastic container that you buy from Costco, yeah. and you accidentally leave the top off of it in the cabinet, and it turns into this stale, rock hard red licorice that's all i but eat. that's that's also the best time when okay. it's that like yeah. rock hard. that's 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 red vines okay all right that, that, that's fine with me not twi- twisters are the pull and peel or yeah the, the, the kind of the shinier a little more like rubber tasting yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get some crap for tomato that. tomato whatever yeah. uh, the beer will only be available um at a release block party on september 21st and at two of uh, the bend 10 barrel locations which is their east side pub and brewery and their west side pub how do we get this? Flights to Oregon are expensive right now, so... We just talked about flights. They're not that expensive. It's just, you know, a couple of four-ounce tasters and a... I was waiting for one of those jokes. Yeah. No. I, I, I was shocked that we made it all the way through that article without <laughs> one airline joke. It blew my mind. I was waiting for it. I think this, this is great. This is a but, really cool... Like, putting the call out to anyone in Bend listening if you happen upon this please let us know um we will make it up to you this is how you do a collaboration that we talked last week about the in and stout um and the fact that uh they got a cease and desist i think this is really great to see that blockbuster is sort of um I don't know. I don't even know who they're owned by at this point, but is it individual franchises? It may it may actually be this may be the 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 bluke boster I don't know. It, I have to look at the. <laughs> I just think that this is a really cool way to do a collaboration. By twenty by January twenty eighteen, the company's website listed nine remaining franchise owned stores in the U.S., including six in Alaska, two in Oregon, and one in Texas. So I guess one in Oregon and one in Texas are closed. Okay. All right. Eight, oh, here it is. Hold on. Eight of those nine have either closed or in the process of closing, leaving only one store in Bend. Okay, so there we go. Bend is literally the last. Yep. 
bend but not break mm. let's wrap the last article up here uh the last one we have here comes from foodandwine.com this is Brewdog launched its own tv network all about craft beer the scotland-based international brewer calls it a first of its kind um talk about a week of highs and lows Last Wednesday, BrewDog announced that its highly anticipated over-the-top beer hotel would be opening in Ohio, which I believe it did as of now. Wow. With um, in-room taps and a mini bar in the showers, I think I read. <laughs> I remember we talked about how beer hotels were like the hot thing. Yeah. Well, they finally, This has finally come to fruition with that's... Stone, I'm sure, not too far behind down there. Yep. That's incredible. But literally a day later, news broke that the Scottish brewery had to dump an entire initial bottling of its new sour beer, um, which is known as Overworks. But now the brand with breweries and pubs around the globe is back to doing what it does best, pushing the boundaries of craft beer. And with a seemingly over-the-top media strategy to, we should put this in context. Today, two announcements. Disney's streaming service with all of their, you know, uh, cheaper than Netflix availability and uh, contracts up the wazoo of their own their own uh, media properties available now. Second, Nickelodeon announcing their own streaming service okay. with things like Rocco's Modern Life. I saw something about that. I just read that on um, TechCrunch that they are part. They partnered with some place to put their nick splat channel yes, yes. uh cat dog like oh, man. all all the early 2000s i saw two angry beavers on the uh yep 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 so now <laughs> us us craft beer drinkers we've got our own network this is crazy right the well the amount of on-demand content and the amount of uh, like choose your destiny do what you want to do watch what you want to watch YouTube is the way that people consume this now. On-demand content is number one. ESPN's moving the same way. This this seems like a, the first of its kind, but definitely not the last. I think so. Um, BrewDog, they've announced the launch of the BrewDog Network, which is billed as the first ever craft beer streaming TV network. Um, starting in 2013, the co-founders of um, BrewDogs, Martin Dickey and James Watt, they hosted a show called BrewDogs on the now defunct Esquire Network for about three seasons. And I remember watching a few episodes of that. Yep. I, I remember watching those on demand as well. It was sort of like, oh, hey, Esquire is available on whatever X service, cable yeah. service I had at the time. And, and you could just watch it later. Uh, that I had no idea, one, that it had gone away. And two, that they actually had a three-season three, yeah, run. Three whole wow. seasons. Um, but the BrewDog Network is about more than just giving um, the two a new platform for their show. Uh, granted, the BrewDog show, as it's now called, is coming back. Um, but 13 other shows are also de debuting as part of their new monthly subscription service, which are going to touch on everything from beer, spirits, culinary, travel, business, adventure, and much more. And then add to that a handful of acquisitions as well. And BrewDog says it's offering over 100 hours of original video on demand um, for just under $5 a month. I wouldn't have guessed that. That That's, that is an incredible amount. I'd love to see what they're launching with as well. What is going to be available, you know, day one versus six months down the line when they start trickling, you know, more of these episodes out or yeah. two seasons or whatever. They do give a quick outline of a few of their initial shows. Um, the programming covers a wide gamut from silly to serious. Uh, for instance, uh, hosted by Allison Becker of Parks and Recreation, um, are you smarter than a drunk person? 
This is a trivia show that pits your average contestant against a drunk Mensa member. It's got to be like a, a play on the Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader oh, for sure. uh, TV show. Yeah, it is. So, it, so game show-esque. So take a Mensa member. Yep. Give them some Brewdog beer because you know it's got to be on brand. Mm-hmm. And then play trivia games. That sounds pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's pub trivia to the extreme. Yes. Yeah. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, Into the Wilderness follows Arizona's uh, wilderness brewing as it finds inspiration for new recipes in the farthest reaches of the earth. That also sounds very exciting. Sounds incredible. I, I have been to uh, Arizona wilderness once, I think, and I would, this, this is me. This, yeah, I would watch that show. They, a few other concepts that they have include uh, beer and food pairing shows, um, burgers and beers. Okay. Yep. The cocktail-focused daily drink. And the William Shatner-hosted acquisition Brown Bag Wine Tasting. So that sounds like it exists right now, Brown Bag Wine Tasting, uh, William Shatner property. And I, again, this sounds like a network built for me. You're, talk, you're talking William Shatner game shows. It's currently on Aura.tv. Got it. Okay. All right. So they made they made an acquisition. They're bringing some some content over that already exists. This maybe has been that's... around since 2014. Okay, so maybe that's why they're boasting at least 100 hours of content uh, being available day one. Okay, all right. Still, I mean, if you are into beer and beer is your life and you want some interesting shows, and it, I mean, honestly, it, it sounds like it's going to be a lot more than just we're brewing beer, we're drinking beer. Sure. It sounds like it's actually going to be pretty interesting. And based upon the production quality of um, the BrewDog's original show, I mean, I think they could do a pretty solid job. All right, now it's time to answer some of your questions. If there's anything you've wanted to know about Untapped or beer in general, send it over using the hashtag AskUntapped. That's hashtag AskUntapped on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. This week's question is coming to us from Matt W. on Twitter, and he asks, can you clarify the difference between a Scotch Ale, Scottish Ale, and Wee Heavy? I can't, because I definitely don't have any knowledge required to answer that question but it's a good question matt that it is um first there's a way to kind of eliminate at least one piece of this versus puzzle um scotch ales are actually also known as we heavy so that's kind of one in the same right there so really what we're going to be looking at is scotch ale versus scottish ale one is made by 3m and one is made <laughs> in the country <laughs> No, that's my, no, that must be wrong. No, but that's a good guess. I like okay. that. All right. Um, they're actually fairly similar. Both are dark Scottish, um, but the Scotch Ale is actually a bit meatier. And w Sorry, sorry. I mm, When you say Scottish and you say meatier, my mind immediately goes to haggis, and I try not to, but it totally does. When you say meatier, you mean the idea of, like, thicker. Yes, or we're talking, it, it's got a got a bigger bite. It's got more meat on its bones. More, but see, no, even worse, body. It's got uh, a yeah. lot, okay, all right, all right. Yep. Uh, Scottish ales tend to be light, though definitely not shy in flavor and aroma. Um, they tend to clock in on the low side of alcohol, ranging from 2.5 to 5% ABV, Really, they're kind of like a, a session beer. Huh. Okay. Now, Scotch Ale, on the other hand, um, these tend to be bigger, stronger beers. Um, although both styles use many of the same ingredients, Scotch uses more of them. 
Um, brewers will also occasionally throw in some smoked malt to give it an earthy sort of smoky character. Mm. The Scotch ales usually have a lot more alcohol, ranging from 6.5 to 10%, so literally double, double what yeah. the Scottish ale has. Huh. Um, the flavor and aroma of Scotch ale are complex with notes of earth, roasted uh, malt, hints of plum and dried fruit, and they tend to be sweet with a fairly dry finish. It, this this actually kind of comes down to the idea of a um, a stout versus a porter. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's basically the same thing, except the stout is just a stronger version of a porter. I guess an, an easy uh, way to remember this is scotch. The actual scotch is heavy. That's the, the actual spirit is real heavy. And Scottish, mm, not so much. That's I, one way to do that's it. The, <laughs> better, it's better than trying to use a haggis uh, uh, way yeah. to think about it. Yeah, yeah, not, not so meaty. A couple other fun things to note um, with the Scottish ales versus other kind of British Isle ales is um, the Scottish ales are not as dry as the Irish stout, which I know Irish stouts, you know, like dry Irish stout is kind of you know a very well-known thing. They don't have the kind of the, as many toasty notes as the London Porter. So there's a difference there between those two. Um, and they're not quite as uh, complex and fruity uh, as English brown ales. I have had probably four times as many scotch and wee heavy beers than I have Scottish ales. It's probably due to the whole roasty kind of high ABV character to those. Ooh, um, yeah, you're right. I've had seven scotch versus two Scottish. So it looks like, I think one of, one of the best examples of this that is readily available, at least locally is old chub by Oscar blues. Uh, they do that. I believe in a couple of different styles, uh, nitro etc but that in 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 my group of uh beer drinking friends that's known as night night juice and that's that's probably my best way (laughs) of remembering it is if you remember it if i remember it at all all right matt i hope we were able to answer your question there if again if anybody else out there has any questions about untapped or beer and you want us to take a crack at uh, answering it for you just let us know on social using the hashtag ask untapped all right, show notes are available at podcast.untapped.com. And if you've got any questions for us, again, like Tim said, or you've got some feedback either about the podcast or about the app, be sure to connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at Untapped Everywhere. And if you have a second, head over to Apple Podcasts and give our show a rating. We would greatly appreciate those um, five stars. If you have a little bit more time, please feel free to leave a review. Um, we go through and we read those, and we try to integrate all of your feedback and uh like to see what you all think until next week cheers Cheers.